morning. In many ways, this particular day that has etched itself on my memory was like so many other days. The sun had come up, for the most part, blue skies, a number of things that I needed to accomplish. It's a Saturday. In other ways, it was unlike any other day of my life. Four years, 40 years, four months ago, I went to the church to make sure all of the preparations were ready for my wedding day. I remember noticing how everything up front looked. I remember noticing the few people that had already arrived. All the preparation that had happened the night before seemed in order, nothing seemed off. I remember very well so many of the details as I moved off to the left side of the sanctuary in a side room into the second row of what was probably about ten rows of chairs because my wife and I had decided to memorize our vows and I had not quite completed my task. <laughs> Knowing this was a really important thing to do, I huddled off to the side and started going over and over again the words that I was going to say without any prompting from the pastor, who I knew had a copy of everything in case I messed up and he could prompt me if needed but I certainly didn't want that to happen in front of all of the people that had been invited for that day. I remember the people that were there to stand up with us, our wedding party. I remember the ladies dressed in this kind of dusty rose color and the men in their gray tuxedos with gray top hats. seemed so cool at the time. <laughs> I remember being up front, listening to the music, hearing the things that the pastor said, reciting our vows. And then I have to confess that somehow those things had locked into short-term memory, but they had never made it across the synapses into long-term memory. And I had no recollection shortly after that what it was that I had memorized, knowing that it was probably far more important than all of the details to which I had given so much of my attention, including the top hats, that far more important than that were these vows that I had made but oh my goodness, they just kind of zipped right past. I had the privilege this past Friday night of being over in the Ellipse Chapel and being in the crowd as two got married and listened as the pastor led the two in their journey and spoke about what it meant and walked them through their vows. I have been to so many weddings, and in those moments, I know that the vows that are made are intended for the two, 
But somehow as I listen in, it is an amazing reminder to me of the commitment that I made. ID, take UK, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part, and thereto I pledge you my faith. That's a wonderful set of words. And yet, whoever says those words has absolutely no idea what the future means regarding those words. What's on the horizon? I have no clue. What's about to take place? What's 40 years in the future? How would I know? But the closing line is so incredibly powerful. And there too, I pledge you my faith. The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. That's why there is this pledge of faith. All of those things that I don't know are coming, my faith is going to lead me into those things so that what I said back here has a tangible future and unfolding where my faith in an abstract form becomes substance becomes tangible, becomes something that I can actually see. Now, lest those who aren't married check out for a moment, let me say that I really believe those same kinds of thoughts and statements are true for friendships to which we've committed, people to whom we've committed, it is true for our relationship with our Creator, the Lord of our life. We make commitments that have to have a component of faith because we have no idea where those commitments lead. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what the health side looks like nor do I know what the sickness side looks like. I don't know if there's wealth as part of this or poverty through which we walk. I don't know what the better is going to look like. I don't know what the worse is going to look like. But I'm pledging to be in this relationship and to see it through those times and I believe that my faith will carry me through that. What a great reminder for me when I sit in on somebody else's covenant. It reminds me of the journey that I am on. The last two weeks we've been talking about membership. Really we've been talking about the church both in a much more global sense but also this local body of believers but we've used material that comes out of our membership class wanting you to know what it means to be part of this place. 
what it means to be part of the body of Christ, and then what the body of Christ looks like in this gathering when we come together weekly, many times, multiple times in a given week. I don't know if you've listened to some of the music that's been chosen, some of the things that have been played, but they have been very strategically chosen to identify the ways in which we come together and the things around which we hold our faith. One of the songs led us through portions of the Apostles' Creed. It is an attempt to articulate some of the essential truths that hold us together, bind us together as those who follow Jesus Christ and attempt to be obedient to what it means for Jesus to be the Lord of our life. These statements arise out of biblical stories, our best effort to take the powerful stories of Scripture and out of that to make some statements that we believe are spoken about and taught through those stories. Out of that effort has come the Apostles' Creed. We use it most typically at the time of baptism when we baptize new believers. I encourage you to listen to the words of the Creed as those statements that become important for us as anchor points. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried, descended into Hades, and then on the third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church Universal, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life eternal. The Apostles' Creed. Anchor points for us to look at our faith and understand our journey and identify those things on which we try to come together in this journey of faith. Well, that speaks about this larger entity of which we are a part. What about this local place? What does it mean to be part of this body of believers? Well, we speak pretty often about what we believe is our mission, our calling. It's pretty simple. It's to lift up Christ. That's it. We want everything we do to reflect that calling, to lift up Christ. And if anything falls outside of that, then we ask ourselves, why are we doing it? Because that's our calling in this place, to lift up Christ. We believe we do that in following in the footsteps of Jesus by preaching, teaching, and healing. Preaching as a way to describe how we live out our lives. Teaching as another word for discipleship, learning and growing in God's word and God's truth. 
healing, believing that God wants us to be whole, and then to use us as healing agents wherever God places us. It's fair to ask the question, for whom do we live out this mission statement? Well, we do it for God. But who's the audience for that? Everyone who walks in these doors, on these grounds, whether it's for VBS, a ladies' retreat, a Sunday morning service, a Wednesday night activity, a children's choir, whatever the case might be, anyone who comes here, but it is ridiculous to think that our responsibility of sharing the good news is dependent on people coming here. That next circle for us is anywhere where we live and work. That we'd be equipped when we come here, but that we would go out and live out our faith wherever it is that God has placed us. But it also doesn't end there. We want to be global Christians, connected to expanding the kingdom around the world wherever God gives us these natural connections. Faithful to what God has entrusted to us. We have a vision for how we go about doing this. It's summed up in these three little pieces. We always, all the time, in everything we do, want to be motivated by love. There are a hundred different reasons that can contribute to our motivation. We want to check those things over and over again and say, are we being motivated by love in all we do? Secondly, we want to be guided by prayer. A church that prays and seeks God's face so that we might be guided by prayer through the Holy Spirit. And finally, that would be formed by Scripture. Scripture would speak into our lives. The passage that's part of this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 3, the very end of that chapter, beginning with verse 14, and then shifting into chapter 4 at the very beginning of the passage of that chapter, says very clearly to Timothy, all of God's Word, all of Scripture is inspired, and it's good for teaching, for learning, for growing, for disciplining. It provides for us this forming that helps us become all that God intended us to be. So those three things, motivated by love, guided by prayer, formed by Scripture. As we work through this, trying to understand who we are, your leaders identified three real important areas that we want to help us live out our calling in this place. One of those is that we would be very intentional about the culture that we have here in this place and the language that helps to form that culture. So yesterday was a great example. We want to be a church that cares deeply about intergenerational connectedness. And so to have speakers at the ladies' retreat yesterday that spanned all of those different decades, it wasn't by accident, it was by intent. We want the culture of this place to reflect our values. We want our calendar to look like our belief system. We want our activities to remind people of the good news. 
We want to do that by intent so that when somebody begins to look at this place and the character, the culture, the nature, that they would go, oh, I sense something there about the Christ they serve. Like that Acts passage when a few of the disciples were put on trial and they made note to themselves, oh, these men had been with Jesus. That's what we would love to see happen here. The people who maybe just had a loose connection would go, wow, if I understand anything about Christ, it would seem to me like these people have spent some time with Christ. And that we would do that with intent. The second hope or objective that we've settled in on is that we would build on the best of our history. We talked last week in here that our legacy is so important. The legacy that's been passed on to us as well as the legacy we leave behind. So we want to stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us, build on the best of that, and then live into all of the strengths, talents, and giftedness that God has entrusted to those of us who are here now. How do we reflect the things that God has blessed this place with at this point in time? And then how do we do that in balance? Last week, Melissa made wonderful mention of the chart that was put up on the screen where we live into our one-on-one relationship with God, our connection with the body of believers, and then live out our faith in the marketplace. How, as a church, do we do that? So it's not just the individual, but collectively, we're living in a healthy balanced spiritual place. Then finally, that we are good stewards. Stewards of all that has been entrusted to us. Good stewards with what we say, with what we do, with the resources that are given. It's so essential that we are held accountable in that way for how we handle those resources. We talked last week that we have chosen as a church to be affiliated with a particular denomination. Our church is actually older than the denomination with which we are affiliated. Not much, a year, but we're a year older than the denomination. But we've chosen and continue to do so, be part of what's called the Church of the Nazarene. And there are many reasons why we do that, but I'd like to just reiterate a few that were already mentioned. One is that we believe that there is value in accountability. We are held accountable as a church for what we teach, for how we use our resources, for the way in which we live out the things that we teach. And there are others who ask us the appropriate kinds of questions that keep us accountable. We also have this deep conviction that we can do more collectively than we could ever do individually. Pooling our resources with others to support a worldwide global network of missionaries, um, to participate with others in, in planting new churches, to be involved with other churches who have contributed their resources to make a difference for camps for children in senior high and 
other opportunities for ministry that we could never accomplish simply on our own. Well, I'd like to say that those are some of the same reasons why I think it's valuable to join in membership for a local body of believers. Accountability is a valuable thing. You offer yourselves to say, ask me hard questions. Ask me how I'm living out my faith. Ask me if I'm being faithful to God's call in my life. I know that that can be uncomfortable, but it's intended to be encouraging. It's intended to send the message, we don't do this alone. We do this together, and we come alongside one another to say, let me share my journey. Let's talk about what it looks like to live this out. I, I certainly don't have it figured out, but maybe together we can understand better God's calling on our life. And that accountability goes the other direction as well, where you ask, what are you doing with the resources that have been entrusted to the church? How are you engaged in the community and making a difference for the poor, for the needy, and justice? What decisions is your board making? You ask those questions. Because we are accountable to one another. It's also an invitation to say we can do more collectively than we could do individually. When I bring my tithes and my offerings, I, I know that it can do something, but, but when I add it to those who are also doing that, and collectively we can begin to do some things in this neighborhood that I could have never done on my own not just because of monetary resources, but I get amazed at the people you know and the connections you have and the associations you've made and the organizations of which you're a part and the places you work. This church connected into not just this neighborhood, not just San Diego, but some of you this week take flights because your work takes you to other places of the globe, other parts of the country, other places in this state. Oh my goodness, that I can have a part in all of that by being part of this body of believers. That's why we invite you into this place. So much like I sit in a crowd at a wedding and I'm challenged by the covenant relationship that is being proclaimed from the front. Some of you have sat here a number of times and have listened to new members that are brought into this fellowship. What is that covenant that we have here? What does it look like? It's pretty simple, actually. It's a statement of some of the things that are part of our core beliefs, much of it sounds a lot like the Apostles' Creed. It's a statement about our faith and our conviction that Jesus needs to be the Lord of our life. And then an acknowledgement of some of those expectations. We believe in God expressed through Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We particularly emphasize the deity of Jesus Christ and the personality of the Holy Spirit. We believe that everybody is born into sin, and really every one of us needs the work of forgiveness through what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. 
We believe that everyone needs to be born of the Spirit through the Spirit. And that our hearts can be purified by that same Spirit of God. And that the Holy Spirit assures us of what's taken place. We believe Christ will return, the dead will be raised. We believe that everybody will come to judgment with its corresponding rewards and punishments. We believe that everyone needs that relationship with Jesus Christ that's transformational and desire that everybody make that commitment for Jesus to be Lord of their life. Here's what we hope or expect, that you would give yourself to fellowship with God and fellowship with Christ's body, the church. We hope and expect that you would honor God by walking humbly, by having speech that is grace-filled and honorable. That your deeds would exemplify service to others and justice on their behalf. And we hope and expect that we would give our lives and the corresponding deeds of our life and give our heart and the corresponding attitudes of our heart to being a reflection of the holiness of God. That's our covenant. That's our hope. That's what we think it means to be part of this place. Timothy receives this letter. It is a call to Timothy, recognize the good things that have been part of your past, the way faith has been spoken into your life. Earlier in the book, it said, I've seen the faith that came through your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and now resides in you. I know that not all of us have that kind of a heritage, but Timothy did. All of us, though, have an amazing heritage of someone who introduced us to the moment we're in right now, someone who invited us into some place where we are exploring our faith. It might have been a family member. It might have been a friend. It might have been someone you didn't even know, but God used in an incredible way. One of the reasons that the writer speaks about Scripture is because Scripture gives us part of our heritage. The great story of those who exhibited their faith, men and women who over the centuries have lived in such a way that their faith carried them into the future. And Timothy is being told, recognize what's gone before you. Grab a hold of that which is true in your own life and now live it out faithfully. Because here's the truth about those vows that I made. They were just words. They were great words they were nice words, they were committed words, but they mean nothing until I put them into action. It's not until 
I hit a spot where I have to go, oh, now this is one of those moments where I committed to loving you and being present and pushing through it. Same thing is true in a friendship. Oh, conflicts come up, but I've made a commitment to this friendship that I'm going to walk through this difficult moment because I've made that kind of a commitment. A commitment in faith, both horizontally and vertically, only becomes tangible when it gets put into action. Now, I want to acknowledge that action sometimes means that I listen well and am still. God sometimes speaks through the silence in my life. God sometimes calls me to give somebody else the opportunity to speak. God sometimes calls me to wait. But that is an active waiting. It's a ready waiting. It's a I'm present Lord posture. It is faith that then becomes substance. It is hope that finally becomes reality. And it may not be identical to the thing in which I envisioned, but in some ways, what I envisioned is only marginally relevant. It's what comes that allows faith to be put into action. So, God, I really didn't know what it was I was saying yes to when I said yes to you. I really didn't know what health would look like over the horizon. I didn't know where the pathway would take me for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. I really didn't realize all that was implied when I said, be the Lord of my life. But oh God, I want you to know I'm in. I'm in. I am all in. I am yours, God, and I am committed to this. It is a moment of faith. It is my best me. It is all of my hope. And it is faith that will get me through. The invitation is for you and me to be on this journey together and with great anticipation to look forward to the next horizon, the next turn in the road, the next street sign that comes to be on the journey together. Father, God, there are so many times when 
I have not lived well into the faith that I proclaim. Were not simply my words, but my deeds, my actions. Would leave anybody wondering had I made any covenant commitment at all. I'm sorry, Lord. As a church, Lord, forgive us for the times when we have hurt others. When our words have made somebody feel like an outsider, marginalized. When our actions had mixed motivations. Father, forgive us and help us to know how to ask others to forgive us. For the times when our speech has not been filled with grace, when our walk has not been humble, the community of which we are a part would never know that our faith is in you. Father, forgive us. Forgive us in our relationships when the going has gotten tough and we've given up. When obstacles have been thrown in our way and we've decided to turn around and go the opposite direction. So often, Lord, we pay attention to the loudest noise, to the biggest crash, voyeuristically we're drawn to the tragedy. Yet so often, Lord, you are the still small voice, the quiet whisper, the gentle, gracious nudging toward obedience. But Father, I ask if it takes a loud noise, if it takes a hard circumstance, then let that be a way that you get our attention. And then teach us how to listen to your quiet voice. Teach us how to wait on you. Teach us how to soften our heart that your gentle touch might truly mold and shape us. May we as a church be a reflection of you, your bride, your body, your expression. Invite us into this place, Lord. For those who visit just one time today, Lord, may any time that 
they come back, this feel like a home away from home. For those who are exploring this place, may they help us to be better. Bring their talents and gifts and insights to make us a better reflection of you. And for those of us, Lord, who years have passed since we first made our commitment, may our vows be renewed this morning to give ourselves in our lives and in our heart to be a reflection of your grace and holiness. To give of our means and our talents so that others might hear and see the good news by how we live out our faith. May that be true for us, Lord. I pray in your name.